0: Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are on episode 172 of wow, our mission. 172. And we are in the year 1947 for Vince's selection on this stop, which is Cab Calloway's Heidi Ho. Ha Dee Ho, because he's the Ha Ho man. He is indeed in this musical from All American Music Studios, uh, Movie Studios, that we will be reviewing on this stop on the Michelle Mission. But first, as always, we'd like to look back on all of your feedback on all of our past shows that you have sent to us via social media or email or our Facebook group, where last week, Vince, we reviewed the film Bright Road. We did. With Dorothy Dandridge and Harry Belafonte. And a bunch of kids. And a whole lot of kids. Um, We got some, it's a couple of responses. Don Miskell. Hey, what's up, Don? Uh, who seems to be saying, I see no problem here. I think he enjoyed the review. I believe that's what he's referring to. Markham Lee. Um, in response to you, Vince, talking about how black people, or more to point, old-timey people. Old-timey black people. It's very specific. I have superpowers. Pre-civil rights era. Markham Lee said, it's true, though, crazy stories or stories with one-tenth of the detail. Quote, I had to leave North Carolina because the son, the sheriff's son didn't like me. <laughs> real story my grandma channeled Satchel Paige and threw a rock across the park and hit a dude upside the head when I finally heard the whole thing don't worry about it darling his racist behind deserved it and then we went back to watching Madlock interesting interesting story there Alan Anthony um, in regards to George Kimona's comment about our previous show okay which was our binge lounge i believe um he asked did you already find out that george was referring to the song that felix Unger tortured everyone with happy and peppy and bursting with love apparently that was a song that felix Unger sang (laughs) at nauseam on the old odd couple show i don't remember that bit why not I don't remember that bit. Do you I actually, remember that? I, I don't, but I, what I do remember, I was talking to
1: my friend Cliff this weekend, and he couldn't believe that we transitioned, or rather I transitioned, mm-hmm. from Damon Wilson and Baby I'm Back to talking about the odd couple and did not mention at all that Damon Wilson starred in the new odd couple. With
0: Ron Glass. With Ron Glass. I remember when that show hit Probably like in the early 80s, I was about to say early 80s, and I was a fan of Ron Glass, he was coming off of Barney Miller, right? At right. that time, so I liked the idea of casting him as Felix. DeMont Wilson just always left a negative taste in my mouth. I know, so he one of your ones. <laughs> I'm keep, I'm compiling a list. <laughs> Are you? Yes. And, and he, well, he's on it. Oh, I know. Defend- he definitely is on it. And uh, I remember when that show, I, t- I was like, this is not going to work. It's not going to work. I just don't see the chemistry here. And suffice it to say, the show did not last a season. Did it last five episodes? I, I Yeah, I think it maybe lasted a month. It was terrible. It was not Good. Like, it was
1: terrible. Mm-hmm. And I like Ron Glass too, but I never understood. Like, I didn't understand either of them getting cast in those roles. Like, there was nothing. Really? You couldn't see Ron Glass? Ron Glass wasn't particularly persnickety. Oh, he wasn't Barney Miller. Not really. I actually thought he was cool on Barney Miller. He was. Like he was cooler than everybody in the room. He was. You know, he's a
0: writer. He was, you know, he's Yeah, a but he was man. he was persnickety about like his clothing and he always, he was particular about his scarf he and don't mess cool. up. He was cool. No, but he would always make a point like, don't mess up with my, right. with my coat, you know, and he like, get on people about their fashion. So I could see that being arched to being kind of like, you know, super persnickety and clean. I yeah, can see that.
1: And not for one moment did I say it? I think they just grabbed two black guys out
0: the hall. Maybe because they had contracts with them. Right,
1: like Ron and DeMond Wilson were in the hallway
0: and they grabbed them. Well, Demont Wilson was, had been in the hallway for a that minute. Because he was stealing bagels. <laughs> you don't know I mean, something?
1: Oh, what's up? Remember I was taking a meeting? <laughs> he had like five bagels in his left hand. Apple juice boxes <laughs> out of his pocket. No, no, no! I was in the meeting. I was in the meeting. That's my imitation of Damon Wilson hanging around the hallways of CBS stealing bagels.
0: And some people re- uh, responded to we had talked about, uh, mentioned about Eddie Murphy.
2: Yes, and his
0: interview about John Landis from 1990. Yeah, uh, that we posted. We did post. To the Facebook group, uh, Steve Watkins stated that I'm sure I read this years ago when it was first printed, but damn, Eddie was not joking around. Did we talk about
1: Eddie in his theory towards assault? No, like he has this whole bit in there where, where at some point he told John Landis, "I'm, I'm going to beat your ass if you do one, you know, one more thing." And, and the interviewer is like, "Were you going to do it?" And Eddie Murphy was like, oh, I absolutely was going to do it. And I was going to do it and, and basically leave a mark, as they say, because according to Eddie Murphy, whether you punch a guy or whether you almost cripple a guy, it's all assault. Like you're getting charged with assault. True. So you might as well go for it. Might as well go for it. Which I was like, that's one of the gulliest
0: things I've ever read. Like, like who thinks that? That is Gully. That's Gully thinking. I don't know if that's an original Eddie Murphy thought, but...
1: Look, that's the first time I read it. Like, I don't know if Eddie Murphy came up with it, but he subscribed to it in 1990.
0: I was moved to watch, um, because you had mentioned Eddie Murphy sitting down with Jerry Seinfeld. Yes. And comedians and cars getting coffee. Yes. So I watched that episode. Mm-hmm. I also then watched, they did kind of like a talk back. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Um, Someone
1: posted about that in the group. Actually. Yeah, yeah. have
0: had a chance to watch it. Um, when they both sat down with um, Joy Reed of AM Joy. Yeah. Um, talking about that. It was an interesting conversation. It was an interesting um, episode. An interesting conversation between the two of them. I don't think their talk back didn't elicit any new um, information. I mean, of course, they didn't want to go over ground. It was already covered on the show. Right. But Eddie in the talkback seems very disinterested in giving anything up. Yes. um, To me. Uh, And but the episode between the two of them, I thought there were times where Eddie which makes sense uh wavered from kind of like being on for the cameras and being a little, you know, uh, opening up yeah. a little bit. And I think he doesn't open up much until they get to the old comedy club. Right. Which kind of like, and they, they reference it about how just walking in there and, and seeing the sights and, and the smell of the comedy club kind of like takes them back in time, right? And I think th- that really opened up the floodgates for him because it's there that he really he goes in about his relationship, um, his very complicated relationship that he had with Richard Pryor, right? Um, and with Bill Cosby, in his
1: very straightforward
0: relationship with Bill Cosby, yeah. So, <laughs> I actually, so I, it was like watching that and and I'm used to Jerry Fe- Seinfeld's episodes only being about 15 minutes long, 15-20 mm-hmm. minutes long. So when this episode was getting to around that point, I was like, "All right, this is not really giving I mean it's funny, but it's not giving me anything." Right. But then I realized, "Oh, this is an a, a special." Right. <laughs> right, right. getting get uh getting coffee because this was like 40 minutes. Right. So it's extra long. Um I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed his his um story about Richard and about how Richard felt threatened yeah by Eddie yeah um and it made me think I, w- I wonder whether or not by the time they got to Harlem Nights and Eddie cast him you know wanting to do this movie with him and all of his all of his you know idols right like red fox and and uh surprisingly wanted to cast your girl originally in dela reese's role oh you didn't see the oh that's right you didn't see the, the, the talk back remember richard Pryor's movie which way is up yes right and the lady that pr- plays the preacher's wife who he has the oh our girl yeah marilyn coleman marilyn coleman marilyn, marilyn coleman the he wanted to Sarah. cast her she, he wanted to cast her in the Della Reese role. Wow, that's interesting. Really in Harlem Nights. But she said no, because by then she was a born-again Christian, and she didn't want to have to oh. say those curse words. And thus, that's how Della Reese got the role. That is so funny. That is the second time in two days
1: that I've been faced with an artist whose religion changed things. Really? I was looking for some Richard Corbin. I told you I was trolling comic shops the last mm-hmm. couple of days. And I was looking for old, I'm sorry, y'all, but it, it really does connect. I was looking for Richard Corbin, who is, I mean, me and you know, is a 70s yes, artist. A, yeah, underground. And underground artist it? who used to do some really kind of provocative, racy, sword and sorcery stuff mostly. Mm-hmm. I was looking for some Richard Corbin stuff. And I went to the comic shop and the dude tried to treat me. Like I was some mo off the street, like handing me some Richard Corbin stuff from like five years ago.
0: Oh, like that old,
1: that Luke Cage thing. Right, right. Or, or, you know, he's done a couple of things for like Dark Horse. And I was like, no, 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 no. I want the older stuff. Then he handed me something like Luke Cage from like 1995 Mm -hmm. or 2000. I was like, look, (laughs) I need some Richard Corbin stuff before
0: he converted. They don't know, dog. I mean, I mean, that is old, man. How old was the guy you were talking to? About our age. Hey, I ain't calling out no shops or
1: nothing, but he knew better. <laughs> anyway, that's very interesting. She would have been really interesting in that role. I I
0: thought so too. Yeah. I thought it was kind of cool. But I but I I say all that to say I wonder if by the time he cast Richard Pryor in Harlem Nights because uh if Richard at that point either had come full circle with Eddie and his competition with him? Yeah. Or because of where Richard was in his career and his per, more importantly his personal life at that time. If Richard was resigned to this is what I got.
1: I feel like... just off the top of my head, I remember Eddie Murphy saying on the set of the movie, there was still some distance. Okay. Because I don't know how much Eddie knew. Because remember, even in at that time, in the, you know, the, the, the thing on with the Jerry Jer- Seinfeld, he said he didn't know all
0: this. Yeah, he only learned it
1: afterwards. I don't know if he knew all this by the time um,
0: Harlem Nights was out. mm but but I do seem to remember, and it Eddie makes sense Murphy that that might have been there was some distance, and that, and it makes sense that maybe on that set or after the wrapping the movie, right? That the rumors start percolating in his way, right. like yeah, it was weird. Richard was a little t- yeah distant, and like yeah, people. Yeah. Well, here, let me give you some heads up. Yeah, yeah. So that so yeah, you're right. That maybe that does track a little bit better. Yeah, I, it, but it's a, it it was um, it was cool. I was actually moved because I do like that. Jerry Seinfeld show me too I like it so I was actually moved to watch a few more episodes okay in that season because actually while it was on I was like down here cleaning the studio and episode came on with him and Ricky Gervais okay who I am a fan of but Ricky Gervais said this joke that it, it, he admitted it wasn't his joke, but it was like one of the best jokes that he ever had. That heard. sounds about right. <laughs> so he says, um,
1: I'm sorry. The Office is another show that goes into our conversation we were having before we started taping. Well, now you've
0: got to reference
1: it. You can't just put that on air. I'm just saying, you, you know, like people fall out about these English shows. And my theory is that a lot of it is, People grade them on this English curve. Mm-hmm. Like it's English, so therefore it's automatically superior. Mm-hmm. And then when you watch it, or at least when I watch it, I always go, oh, okay, that was good, but you know, damn, people act like it was the wire or something. Like that. everything that comes out of England, people, oh my God, you've got to watch fill in the blank BBC America Import. And it's like, all right, I'll get to it. And then more times than not, when I get to it, it's good. Like, this is good, but like I don't feel like a dummy. Like, I didn't feel like
0: a dummy that I didn't see The Office for like two years. Well, okay, I hear you on that. But I do believe that on a whole, more British television is, to your point, good. Mm-hmm. By percentage, yes. Than American now, now that I, I now
1: that I absolutely go along with. I'm just saying, as this sort of uh, uh, again, like, like there are some shows that, like if you haven't watched them, you do watch them, and then he's like, damn, I can't believe I waited this long to watch this.
0: Got
1: you. I'm like, I didn't watch Breaking Bad for like three seasons, mm-hmm. and then when I watched it, I was like, I felt like an asshole. Like I can't believe. I didn't watch this when it came on. Right. But then right. it's, you know, you know what I mean?
0: Like, it's yeah. something you watch like, oh, that was good. But like, I don't feel like I wasted my life. Okay, true. But there is something to be said about some shows catching them at their time. So with something like the Office, but I don't know when it is like the original British Office, right? right. Which I which I kind of agree with you is good. It's good, like it's great. I did like Ricky Gervais in it a lot, Um, and he's overrated, perhaps. But he's made the point that he knows that he is really the difference between that show being good and just like you know this really boring show. Mm -hmm. Um, His insanity, but. There is something to be said about catching that show at the time that it comes out, as opposed to catching it after its style has been copied, you know, ad nauseum. Okay. By... That's fair. ...everybody else. Although, are we going to
1: say The Office invented cringe comedy? No. Okay. But... but Ricky Gervais and Jerry Seinfeld. I'm sorry. But you said Ricky Gervais, which then made me think of it.
0: This was a trigger.
1: Right. Well, not a trigger, <laughs> but we were just talking about
0: it. I understand. I understand. Ain't ba- See, now... You you <laughs> your tangents, Vince? Because you said, did it invent cringe comedy? And now I'm trying to think of... I want to say no, but I'm trying to think of another cringey comedy before it actually hit. Okay. And I really can't think of one. Okay,
1: I can't either off the top of my head. I mean, I, just,
0: I can't. So maybe it did. I
1: mean, maybe. However, I mean, Monty Python might want to have a word
0: with you about this. I didn't find it to be cringeworthy. There's some cringy stuff. It's cringy, on the, on but I don't think it's. Circus. But I think it's so absurdist overall that you wouldn't call that a, crin, no, no, a cringy no, no, comedy. No, no.
1: But whether or not, if if it's a box of sixty-four crayons and one of the crayons is red. And then 20 years later, someone says, look at this red crayon. And you say, oh, you got a red crayon. That doesn't negate the fact that that box of 64 20 years ago,
0: one of the crayons was red. No, but I understand. But I don't think like you said, uh, like cringe comedy. And that probably is one of the things you think about when you think about the original office. I don't think that's what you think about when you think about Mighty Python. That's not what you think about First, but Whoa. when you look at episodes of
1: Flying Circus, there are bits that are cringy.
0: Yeah, but I don't. You said it, it's not what you think about first. I don't think it really comes up at all in your mind until you see those episodes. And even those, and even those episodes are those bits that are cringeworthy. They're so absurd. You're like, ooh, but then you're you're, you're rolling over in laughter. All so right. I don't think you you all marinate right. on
1: the cringe. All right, I'm not trying to get. You now we're now in the Monty Python Flying Circus hole, oh, boy. You hey missionaries stay loose stay loose it's it's, it's like when, when when you go skiing like when you're on the expert slopes you had to keep your skis tight so that you can do all those quick turns like when you're on the bunny slopes when you first learn to ski they keep the the, the boots loose mm-hmm. so that because they know you're going to fall so that the, the the skis can fall off and you don't break your leg, because that's how people really break their legs, like the ski twist. Can I get back to my joke? So, (laughs) if you want to hear one of the show mission, we are expert skiers. Double black diamond, baby. So, hope everybody's stuff is tight,
0: because we're moving. So, Ricky Gervais is talking to Jerry Seinfeld. Talking to Jerry Seinfeld. Tell them about this joke that he heard. An old man in Auschwitz. Okay dies of old age in Auschwitz. Okay. Holocaust jokes. Right. Real high wire. Goes to heaven. Okay. Standing there before God. Right. Now I forgot the joke. I hate you, Vince.
1: <laughs> okay. You can't start a concentration camp joke and not end it. What the hell, man? You, maybe. Oh, that's my fault? Yes, it's your fault. That you decided to quote an overrated non-comedian who somehow ends up in comedian conversations, who's telling a Holocaust joke that belonged to somebody else? That's my fault? (laughs) Yes, it's your fault. Like There are so many steps to the decision (laughs) that led up to you doing that, that you should have said maybe I should do something else. I would start with quoting Ricky Gervais if it was me. Like I wouldn't have got any further than Ricky Gervais said then I would say, maybe I'll talk about something else.
0: Hold that thought ladies and gentlemen.
2: So a Holocaust survivor eventually dies of old age and goes to heaven and he, he meets God and he tells God a Holocaust joke and god goes that's not funny and he says i guess you have to be there isn't that isn't that amazing what is that, is
0: that
2: i don't yours? Know. no not mine no where did you hear that i don't i, I don't know
0: where it is I, 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 you like, heard that though yeah yeah so oh, all god god right sake, if so y'all only knew. <laughs> so there's a holocaust th- Holocaust, old guy in, in, in Auschwitz dies of old age.
1: No, see,
0: oh, for God's sake, what
1: you're f- up the joke. How do you say it? I cannot even believe y'all don't even know. I'm assuming he's going to edit this. Y'all don't know he stopped taping <laughs> so that we could turn on the head yeah, because I'm telling it, I'm telling it, Lynn. This bastard stopped taping turned on Netflix found the episode did the little flippy flip you know how Netflix has a little scenes at the bottom where you go for it and, and then for almost 10 minutes I sat here and Lynn said oh I think this is it right here oh wait a minute oh I think this is it right here now then if you've ever seen an episode of, what is it, comedians in cars getting coffee? Yes. It's just Jerry Seinfeld and somebody else walking and talking. So every single still looks exactly the same. So after we find it, Ricky Gervais tells a stupid joke about concentration camps. And it's a stupid joke. I thought it was funny. And then I say, is that it? And then Lynn, says, Lynn goes, Oh no, it's another joke. So then we watch some more. And then this is a joke that Ricky Gervais tells. The man did not die of old age in Auschwitz, he did so. he's a Holocaust survivor. And then he dies of old age.
0: Oh, maybe that was it.
1: Okay. Yes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I forgot that part. Goes to heaven sees God and this newly deceased Holocaust victim survivor. or survivor rather tells a Holocaust joke to God. Right. God says, that's not funny. And the survivor says, well, I guess you had to be there. And that's the joke. Yes. It's a great And joke. if you think about it longer than 30 seconds, it's a, it's an amazingly layered and thoughtful joke. And the yes. first thing I said was, well, this is obviously not a Ricky Gervais joke. And it's not. It's not. He's, he, he says. He, he owns up. He said he, he heard it. There's it, Well, I mean, who, who's he going to lie to that he came up with this? <laughs> like, who believes Ricky Gervais is this thoughtful and introspective? And then what I said was, it actually sounds like a Holocaust joke that Richard Pryor would have written. Mm-hmm. It's thoughtful, it's layered, mm-hmm. it's funny, but then it's amazingly sad. Yes. And that was the joke. Yes. Does nothing to contradict what I was saying about Ricky Gervais. And I cannot believe we spent all this time
0: with Ricky Gervais. I was only giving credit because that's where I heard the joke. It wasn't so much about it being Ricky Gervais but I wanted to give credit to where I heard it. Because it was all about the joke. I thought it was, like you said, an amazing joke. So layered and gets you thinking oh, and talking. hot with you. <laughs> and now <laughs> because of the many tangents, we can't nor have the time to Peel apart the layers of the joke that I wanted because because it took you twenty minutes to find
1: it on the TV. That's my fault. I do my stuff in real time. Again, I keep my boots tight. <laughs> now we ain't got we ain't got time for none of We're not talking. Let's just get to the movie. Let's we'll just get to the movie. <laughs> I, can't believe it. I said, I know he is not pausing it <laughs> to turn on. Is this negro turning the TV on?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, our review of Idy Ho. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it.
2: Uh-huh. You grab me before I get my dinner down Jack, we started in popping all around the town To me it's solid labor. The jive you think is fun. You forget about romance when the labor's done. Dancing, you're always dancing. Without romancing till dawn time. Lagging, my feet are lagging. My heart is dragging. At dawn time, before you realize, moon will leave the skies, and when the sun shines up above, there ain't no time to love, dawn time, I think it's high time, to say you be mine, at dawn time.
0: Ho, a 1947 American musical race film directed by Josh Binney that was released by All-American Entertainment and sports an African-American cast. The film stars Cab Calloway, who performs a number of the songs in the film, including acapella versions of Minnie Was a Hepcat and St. James Infirmary with his orchestra. The orchestra also provides uh, music for other performers in this movie that features the Peters sisters, singers, and tap dancers Miller's Brothers and Lois. The plot of the film is that Cap Calloway is an up-and-coming jazz musician putting together a band looking forward to making it big as a band leader. His girlfriend Minnie is upset at Cab has retained the services of a female band manager and thus threatens to sabotage his bid for stardom. Heidi Ho, Vince's selection for this stop on the Me Show mission. What say you, Vince, of this film? I think Heidi Ho is an example of a lot of these
1: films from this era that featured performers, where where the films are... Really, little more than an excuse to highlight these performances, and this film, which clocks in a little over an hour mm-hmm. more than half of it is performances, yep, so to call the plot slight is is an understatement. <laughs> you know, there's barely a plot at all. <clears throat> and so. It's difficult to really talk about it as a movie, right? I, I, I do have to say, as you said, there are really three main players in this film. there is there, of course Cab Calloway, and then there's Ida James as his manager Nettie, and Jenny uh, Ligon, Ligon mm-hmm. as his girlfriend Minnie. And of the three, I do have to say. I was I, I had a bit of fondness for Jenny Lee Gunn by the end. Mm-hmm. Like like she had a little spark of life to her. Yes. And I liked her spirit and, and I liked how she you know did her thing. And mm-hmm. and if I had to point to a performance, like if I was forced to point to a performance, it would be hers. To highlight in the film at all, right. As a as an actor. Right. And none of them are really given much to do. Right. But but I do have to say she's again, probably given the most. She's given the most and by the end I liked her. Nettie who plays his manager
0: oh, well, Ida James who plays his manager right. I, Nettie
1: Ida James who plays his manager Nettie really doesn't have much to do. No. At all. She stands around in a suit and you know that she's smart because she wears glasses. And she's light skin. And, I mean, you know, I, I'm pretty sure you could have a, a paper bag test with most of the people in this film. But, but yes, yeah, she is lighter than many, which it's, it, it is worth acknowledging the color politics that are always present mm-hmm. at this point in black film history. And, unfortunately, present more often than not in current black films. Mm-hmm. But But there's that. And she just sort of stands around and she has on glasses. And, and, and I have to say, I wanted to give the film points for this almost weirdly progressive stance on the roles of women. Because for the vast majority of the film, Nettie is just his manager. Yeah. And, and I really did want the film to go out. And they never get together, and she's just a businesswoman and his manager and everything is good. Of course, they do end up married. Right. And this is after Minnie has gone through this arc of behavior where she's jealous, and then she realizes she's wrong, and and and, and then she ends up dead, which then opens the door for Nettie. I think what most surprised me was Cab Calloway. Because the last time we saw Cab Calloway was in a film that was made four years before this, Stormy Weather. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to us talking in Stormy Weather, both of us were struck by the vitality yeah. of Calloway. Like he is moving, and he's got the zoot suits on, and he is in that full Cab Calloway mode. Yep. That when we think of Cab Calloway, he's, this is what we see. He's eternally in this mode. <clears throat> and this is four years later, but what I realize is that you, they they call him the Heidi Ho Man because you know Heidi 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 Ho, which is from the the song Many of the Moocher, mm-hmm. which was this huge hit. This film comes out in 1947. Many of the Moochers from 1931. Yep, Burr. Cab Calloway is 40 years old in this film, and this is this is a hard 40. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not the 40 years old of somebody who slept eight hours a night and drank his water. (laughs) Cab Calloway looks old. Mm -hmm. And he's lifeless. Mm -hmm. And and that spark that we all love about Cab Calloway, when we think about Cab Calloway, it's not in this. You know, he's going through the motions, basically. And it was really... Disappointed me because I think Cab Calloway obviously was a skilled and masterful musician and band leader, mm-hmm. but I think when we think of Cab Calloway, we think of him as a performer of 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 great charm and and great charisma. Yes, and it's just not here. Nope. So that he sort of sleep walking through it. And that's really the movie. Like, like again, there's no real plot. There, there are a couple of things here and there that, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting. There's this character who's always sitting in the corner reading in the newspaper. Yeah. Which is kind of cute. It's like, okay, that's a nice little sight gag. But, but as a movie, there's not much to talk about. I, I think there are other things. Like I said, I thought the role of women was interesting. Like, this is interesting for it to be 1947 and Nettie is his manager. And even his relationship with Minnie is more complicated than, you know, I would grant a lot of these films where you have the the bad woman and the good woman. Mm -hmm. Like, the thing about Minnie is within moments of this film coming on, Cab Calloway slaps her and knocks her down knocks her across the room so this is not a man who is being preyed upon or 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 man who's caught in a bad situation Mm -hmm. they established cab calloway's character comes with his own stuff i thought the whole um the whole notion with the performers there were some interesting performances. I, I think there there's a group called the Parker Sisters. They're the Peter sisters. I'm sorry, the Peter sisters. And I like them. I did too. I, I like them a lot. And and in a in a in a case of synchronicity, before I watched the film, I was watching all the VMA performances. And and, and Missy Elliott performed. And of course, I'm 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 obsessed with Lizzo. Don't like I'm all I'm all Lizzo all, all in. On. I'm all in on Lizzo. And part of the appeal of both of these performers is that they don't, you know, fit into the mold of what we think about when we think about video representations of beauty and and, and the bigger women, this that, and the other. But the Peter sisters are right, they are right there in 1947 doing their thing. Like they Yepper. have a little, you know, the old the old girl from Baltimore and, mm-hmm. and the Peter, sisters, she gets her and she dances a little jig with her man, mm-hmm. and it is fantastic. The other performance that stood out for me. The Miller's Brothers plus Lois. They're, yeah. Dude. Yeah, right? This is at the end of the movie. Again, we've been doing this for a while. So we kind of know how this works. We had moved to the part of the film that now there's going to be dancing and singing and this, that, and the other. Yes. The show. So I'm pulling up stuff. I'm, I'm I, you know, I'd fallen down a rabbit hole with Dizzy Gillespie. Talk about <laughs> Dizzy Gillespie in a minute. And I looked up. And these phenomenal dancers are dance. They have this bit where they're the Millers brothers. And then one of the brothers married Lois. Right. And then Lois comes into the group as well. They have these maybe, what is this? Two feet, three feet? Yeah. About, two, three, about three feet. About three saying. feet high letters that spell out Millers. Mm-hmm. And there's about a foot space between each of the letters. They have a dance number where they are tap dancing from letter to letter. Yes. Then they have this tower that's like 5 feet off the ground. Tower of planks. Of planks mm-hmm. that they're dancing on. I had to stop what I was doing. Like yeah, I put man. everything down and said, "What is happening on this screen?"
0: Yeah. They're so good. And you know how you can usually tell in any dance duo or even trio that they're all good but there's one that kind of like is the 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 one that stands out that maybe does all the risky stuff yes no every one of them including Lois Lois was amazing were damn near tap trapeze tap artists in this movie it was insane yeah the performance. Oh, oh it was
1: crazy yeah but it is what it, you know, it is. It's, it's it's I think the commentary, and, and, and we can talk way more about Cab Calloway's age, because I do think that's sort of an important topic with this film. Mm-hmm. But as the film itself, it's very slight. Very. Very slight. And the performances aren't profound enough to make up for the slightness. The, the, the slight nature
0: of the film. Right. Right. You're right. The there and by performances, are you referring to like the show at the that closes out the movie? And I'm talking movie?
1: and I'm talking about Cab Calloway's performances throughout the
0: well, film. Well Cab Calloway, throughout the film, I think his age plays a part in his lethargy. Right and right. just being just not having the energy, um, and I, I especially because I think there are scenes where you see him uh, digging for it, right? Like digging, you know, trying to get a, get himself riled up for it. There's a scene with um, they all, you know, hit, Nettie has corralled an audition for his band. For this guy who's opening up a club, and he wants, you know, she wants to get Cab and 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 his band in there as the music for the club. So she's arranged an audition for the band at Cab Calloway's apartment. So the guy is there, and and the band is there. Um, it's 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 weird. It's it's a weird like staging because. This is a movie only because it says it's a movie. Because in every other way, the the production it like feels like it's television, right? Because the Nettie and the club owner are watching Cab Calloway and his band perform, audition for them, but they're standing behind them. So, <laughs> so yeah. you you would think you would at least have them off on the side. You and for think. whatever reason if you can't stage them in front because you maybe just don't have like a really full set, you've only got like a sound stage. Right. You'd at least put them on the side so it looks like they're looking at men on the face. But no, they're decidedly standing at the door behind them as they perform out towards the camera. Yes. So it, it, that's a little weird. But in though in that scene you see Cab Calloway digging deep, trying to, to, to get his motor going. you know, you keep waiting to see him do like his high step, you know, um, and, 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 and just really just stretch out and take control of whatever space he's in. Okay, on the audition, maybe we're not going to see it. You're only seeing a little bit of it, And that's how I felt. I was like, okay, he's auditioning. But then when you do see him in the club, Anytime you see him in the club, you're waiting for the number where he's going to show out, and it never comes. No, it it, it, it never comes, and and that is the disappointment in this because, as lethargic as he is, he still is a presence
2: mm-hmm.
0: that you can't take your eyes off of. So you want. You, you you want so for him to give you so much more your eyes are begging for it like Cab bring right. it for me Cab I know you bring it Right. I bring it there's only 15 minutes left Cab come on come on bring us home Cab nope nah son I'm done son nopey 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 nope that's why I got the Millers brother son look at Lois son I'm done I'm in the back yeah <laughs> I'm like he's like it's, I'm like whoa that's, that is that, that really like took me out of this movie a little bit Plus, you mentioned a moment very early in the film when he does slap Minnie across the room. And I know that in movies of this time, it is certainly not unheard of for a man to basically slap a woman. Right? Right? and in many, oftentimes it's done for comedy sake. Sometimes it's done for dramatic sake. Um, so it is almost like this accepted behavior. Right. That you see in the movies. Right. But. It's one thing to smack a woman or sla- slap a woman. Wrong either way. But it's one thing for you to see you just slap a woman. But like you said, he smacks her while she's sitting on a like a bed or a couch, like a chaise lounge. And she tumbles to the floor. Yeah. And I can't help but imagine that like just that act of violence alone doesn't kind of like if you're an audience member watching, just like, Ooh. well, like it, make you like you. We talked earlier about cringing. Yeah, like does that cringe you on his character? Well, the rest especially of the film?
1: with. It, I mean, even if if you say in good faith that that this is 1947 and it's something that's just done in the same film, when she's plotting against him with the crime lord mm-hmm. Mason, yeah, who they establishes is. Well, he's a crime lord. He's a mobster. Right. He slaps her. Yes. Which seems to be further evidence of how bad he is. Mm Mm-hmm. But his slap is is not nearly as bad as Cab Calloway's earlier in the film. Exactly. So even as an audience in 1947,
0: I don't know what you do with that. Exactly. Yeah. And so, like, seeing that, that really, it bothered me because- Outside of that act, you're asked to side with Cab Calloway for the rest of the movie. And I can't get that out of my mind. Well, he's a jerk to her. The very first thing Cab Calloway
1: says to Minnie, he picks up a glass that is half filled and he tells her, come out here and freshen my drink. And then she comes out and is kind of sexy, sexy. Mm-hmm. And opens up her robe and says, "Do you see anything else that you might like?" And he says, "I see somebody who needs to freshen my drink."
0: Uh, I like, forgot he did say like, that, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's just true. Why are you so mean? Well, if we're to let to believe she is Minnie the moocher. I mean, he's living in a rooming and house
1: and living yeah, hand to mouth himself.
0: Yeah, he ain't really mooching, but so much right. Which is uh, which is another uh, like it
1: seems like Minnie's thing is we're both kind of hard scramble
0: here we are let's do it let's be together be together you know except for this dude sitting out from the corner <laughs> reading the news reading the newspaper. newspaper um that also speaks to uh where Cav callaway is at that point in and his yes, career sir, because that's that point right in his career he's hard up you know, uh Minnie the Moocher," like you said, nineteen thirty-one, almost twenty years pr- prior. Yeah. You know, um, and was a million dollar selling song. Yeah. Some consider it the first million dollar either song or jazz song. Okay. Right, right, right. Um, but he's a long way away from there. He's about to lose his band. About to lose his band. They're about to like like, dude, we are out, dog. Yeah. He is about the hard times yeah. are coming his way. Uh, in 19 the rest of 1947 and I can't imagine that, that that a lot of that is also showing in his faces because not only is he lifeless in this movie the band I mean they jamming they're okay they're, they're okay they're playing some good music but they're not tearing the roof down well here's the thing it's 1947
1: well there are two things First and foremost, while Cab Calloway's band was always—I mean, I mean, it was—it was a—it was, was an orchestra in the '30s mm-hmm. behind
0: one of these dudes. So you know the band is banging, right? Right. And let's point it out: the Cab Calloway, as incredible a performer as he is, he's a band leader. He's a band leader. He wrote this stuff. Right. All of that.
1: But I don't think it is unfair to say that when we talk. About the great bands. Mm -hmm. Count Basie. Duke Ellington. Yes, Hell you know. I'll fold like Nelson Riddle in there. Mm -hmm. You know let's bring some white folks in. Yeah. When we talk about the merits of their. Bands. We talk about their bands. Yes. I'm not a big band dude. But it seems to me that the vast majority of the conversation around Cab Calloway and his band is around Cab Calloway. Right. He's wearing the zoot suits. He's doing the dance. You know, the Mm cakewalk. He's doing all of this so that Cab Calloway is the real focus. Mm -hmm. So we get to a performance like this and he's listless. Mm -hmm. You've already hobbled What brings you to the Cab
0: Calloway? What brings you to the, yeah, right.
1: Not to mention, it's 1947. So right down the street, Charlie Parker... Dizzy Gillespie, mm-hmm. the Thelonious Monk. Dizzy Gillespie,
0: who left who Cab left. Calloway. Did you read the story in 1941? Did you? Did you read I didn't read the, read the story. I just read that they okay. left. Okay, so this. Is, oh no, no, no! I, I heard it. it was about a spitball. It was a, some type of
1: spitball fight, and Dizzy Gillespie. I mean, Cab Calloway thought Dizzy Gillespie threw the spitball at him, fired him, and then Dizzy Gillespie stabbed Cab Calloway in the in leg the, with right, a knife. Right. See, all this stuff, like, boy, I wish I knew all this back in the 90s when they were telling us that hip-hop was filled with violence and misogyny. <laughs> it's like, come on, y'all, come on. But, right, so all of them are basically inventing bebop. Mm-hmm. You know, is this some is some young boy playing a trumpet? Mark Davis? yeah, Melvin Davis? Something Davis.
0: <laughs> Miles, so, ladies.
1: So that it just comes off as old, yeah, and stale. Yep, competent, mm-hmm. well played, mm-hmm. but you completely understand the difference between the energy in this 1947 performance and the one in 1943. Yep, and it's 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 it. I mean, I guess it's a shame. Maybe they should have got Dizzy Gillespie to play this
0: role wow how about that that would have been exciting that would have been exciting that would have been I think the other thing is is that Cav Callaway, as far as I know is not a musician right he writes the music but he's not a musician so you know um, there are, at this time you know the front man is probably starting to go a little bit out of favor because they're like yo dude uh, I confront the band. You know what I mean? That's why, why Dizzy Gillespie leaves and goes on to the stardom that he that he has. You know, um, Cab Calloway in 1947 is still limbing off of Minnie the Moocher and the subsequent mo- many songs that he wrote after that, like Minnie the... Hepcat and yeah. a Minnie's wedding and all this other right, stuff. Right. I
1: mean, he wrote that whole. Hep, I mean, he kind of invented that. Hep. Well, not invented, but he was the first. He was like at the forefront. Yes, um, at, of people uh, you know being Hepcats and, and not and knocking his and, legacy and and, and copaesthetic and all of that. Right. But again, that is not connected to the music. Right, that is the personality. That's still, the personality. And if you foreground your personality, if that goes, yeah, you know, you you're left with this. we are left in 1947. Where, with this. where let's be clear, folks, we're not putting a cart before the horse. I looked up all that stuff about him about to lose the band, and he had major because I saw on his face. I said, why does Cab Calloway look so old? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, he's wearing this suit that's. And his and his and his shoulders are drooping, and it's only four
0: years later. I know, but it's a, it's, which also begs the begs the point of when the movie the plot of the movie wraps up about forty five minutes in. Yeah, because slight does not do it justice. It is it's bare. It's barely an episode of of uh brooklyn 999 mason
1: gets shot the, the moms get shot they leave his body in the hallway no you didn't you see the cop oh. good riddance to bad rubbish <laughs> yes. and then they love i was like is some they just gonna leave his body there
0: well yes they did then
1: they Minnie has been shot and nobody says anything about a doctor
0: well, well just, but, but Cab sung her they just left her with Cab. <laughs> as Cab sung her a song, sung her song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As she slowly slipped away. As she slowly slipped away. Which I do have to say, away. like you said, she you know, the the actress is given the most to do in this in this movie. And I do have to say, uh, Jenny Lagon, she's not doing anything, you know, world or free. She's not Angela Bassett on the scene. Right. But I was moved by her death scene. Hey, man, I was
1: completely Team Minnie by the end. I was. Like, when he actually married
0: Nettie, I said Minnie was right about her the whole time. Well, you know what? I thought about that. And if you notice, what they do in this film is that after that 45-minute mark, and then if you hit pause, ladies and gentlemen, you, you realize, wait a minute, there's an hour left. I know the story's over. What? Is it like, are they tagging on another movie? I don't know what's happening. What they do is then they go into a montage yes. of Cab Calloway and his band basically being successful all across the country. That's right. You see the Sphinx. Right. And, and the world. They go on a world tour. With, my, with my, my mellow, my, my man. man, yeah. So, and I think they do that purposefully to show that there is a passage of time. Yes, absolutely. In between, absolutely. Minnie dying and in, in him realizing, and that him that, realizing that life goes on. Life Nettie. goes on with
1: Nettie, and you can tell because in the montage, at one point, she takes her glasses off. Right. It's like, uh
0: oh. Right. All right now. Right. So, so I think they realize Minnie was right the whole time. I don't. <laughs> I don't think Minnie was right. Minnie told Mason,
1: you need to go over there and take care, and Minnie was giving orders. She was. <laughs> and then Mason slapped her, and I
0: was like, Minnie should be in charge. Like, because, right, because Mason later does says, hey, we should have listened to Min- Minnie the first time. It took him out. <laughs> Minnie was too good for everybody in this movie. Well, she was too good for this movie. You're right. Jenny Lagan was too good for this movie. Um she was. She was. Oh, yeah! I didn't realize that she was one of the first African American women to establish a solo career in tap dance. How about that? Because she was fantastic. She was. Fantastic. I mean, she's no Lois. <laughs> no, she's not Lois the Miller's brothers. She is not Lois and Lois. It, uh, and speaking of, so when you got an hour left, you know, okay. And then you see it, it opens up on a, on a stage. <laughs> right. Oh, we've got a show coming. Now it's time for the show. You know, it's like it's like that very special you know episode of Cab Calloway. So this is when you think Cab Calloway is going to show show out, and then he actually has. Cause he he leaves the stage for a little bit and he yeah. comes back and he's got like the tramp suit on. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Y'all bow y'all in for something now? Nope, nope.
1: No, you're not. No, you're not.
0: <laughs> no, you are so not. disappointed. It it it's, that was so
1: disappointing. Well, by that point, I I had no expectations. Like I really, it really did kind of throw me that opening scene when they showed him laying on the bed and then mm-hmm. he got up and just looked like
0: well old. Yeah. He old. looked old. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about the Peter Sisters for a little bit. Who you talk talk yes. touch on. Who I actually really did enjoy. So I too went down a little rabbit hole of Peter Sisters. They were an American female vocal group uh founded in the 30s. They were they worked all the way to the 60s specializing in blues, swing and jazz. Um they were they were three sisters, if I re- remember correctly. It was uh, Maddie, Anne, and Virginia Peters. Okay. And while while they made their bones in jazz, and they would you know sing at some clubs here in in the states, they actually made their fame and fortune overseas. Okay. They were that huge, sounds right. They were huge in Paris and Italy, okay. which is where many of the sisters, including their other two sisters, Uh-oh. Edith and Joyce, who would become a prominent vocal duo of their own. Okay. Many of the sisters would settle in Italy for the majority of their lives. That's all right. It's like, watching that, I was like, because I had never heard of them before I seen this. No, movie. me either. And like you said, they had... It, it, they they were um women with uh let's say generous figures yes but they had angelic voices and and presence and yes humor yes you could see it and
1: and energy and chemistry and they chem- loved each like other they were f- uh, look again i think that by the time you get to that point you're almost sort of waiting for it to go off Mm -hmm. because so much of it has been listless and then this happens and it is this burst of energy yeah yeah always always say so 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 when i was working for the city paper Mm -hmm. i covered a tlc concert like towards the end of tlc's Career And and I don't know if you remember, but the three of them were kind of beefing.
0: Oh, yes. And
1: I remember what I wrote was that you you can tell that TLC is is going through these channels. You know, hopefully they bounce, but, you know, all that kind of boilerplate stuff. Mm -hmm. But it was this kind of listless performance. Mm -hmm. And I said, and it stuck out so much because a group opened for TLC. And I don't know who these girls were. But they were electric. Mm. These four girls from Houston called Destiny's Child. (laughs) And they burned the stage down. Wow. And it was like TLC needs to watch for these girls Mm -hmm. because they're the ones with the energy and the pop. Mm -hmm. And that's what this reminded me of. It's like you go through this whole thing and you're watching it. And and like 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 I said I I was I was doing my stuff like I had my screens open and I'm looking up Dizzy Gillespie and and, and then I got real distracted so I was looking up because you know they say like so, um they, they say that sly of Sly and the Family Stone mm-hmm. and Larry Graham were like shooting at each other and trying to cut each other oh, yes Big so time. so you know now I'm now I'm
0: so all, now you're looking at all right I'm, I'm just
1: down to rap <laughs> I'm down to rabbit you have hole. a rabbit hole of beef <laughs> of musician violence. <laughs> Like I had taken my little notes but then I was like did Sly of Sly and the Family Stone and and, and Larry Graham weren't they beaming? it was PCP involved so now I'm looking at that. But then I, I couldn't I, I looked up and it was this magnificent performance on my screen. Mm-hmm. So I had to stop what I was doing
0: and pay attention to the film. Right, right when the Peter sisters hit and then right after them you've got the Miller's Brothers and Lois. Yeah. Come on and just take it home. Yeah. And I could have watched the movie of just them.
1: Well, I spent about 20 minutes looking at Miller's Brothers and Lois performances.
0: Like because I on like YouTube. I was familiar with the Miller's Brothers, I didn't know that Lois would then become a part of their act. Right. But and it's probably because I was introduced to the Millers brothers because by this time, 1947, they'd been around for a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, so I saw the older videos of, okay. of just them. So seeing Lois, I was like, oh, okay. And I'm thinking Lois like, all right, oh, are they going to throw her like a bone?
1: Right. <laughs> no. Lo- 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 Lois said, you don't throw me nothing. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. And not for nothing, I think it is worth mentioning that Cab Calloway had been in films, shorts, and, and, and other kinds of films since 1931. And you look at his IMDB, and it is almost yearly, if not twice a year, yeah. That he's in films and stuff until this point. Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't act anymore for 10 more years. Nope. He's in um the 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 spirit of St. Louis? St. Louis Blues. St. Louis Blues.
0: 1958.
1: So It, it, this really, this really did foreshadow what was going to happen or, or arguably what was already happening with Cab
0: Calloway's career, unfortunately. Yeah. Shame. That, that's a shame. But, you know, say what you want, he still is a legend. Oh, no doubt of, of renowned. Um, and it's good that to have, Any type of film of him. Well, I've mentioned
1: this before about other performers. I actually think it's even more important to have something like this so that you can see the humanity. Mm -hmm. You know, I think oftentimes with with these acts, we have the, the old footage and then we have like what I like to call the the blues brothers footage yeah where right. where where right. you see them and, and now they're legends and we all just sort of look at them as as icons and gods right but those are the only two states you have them in either this pristine youth or they're legends
0: right you don't have them in between
1: so it it i think it's really important to have them at all stages cuz mm-hmm. you know they're human beings
0: yeah so, and and appreciate the 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 full breadth of their right. career. Right. So
1: let's be clear: we're talking about Cab Calloway in this film. Right. But but you're right. There's there's no question whatsoever. He's one of the most important
0: iconic figures of 20th century entertainment. So, do you recommend people see Heidi Ho? I don't
1: unless as i as i just said like in the last and like unless you're just sort of fascinated by cab calloway Mm -hmm. but if if you're just looking for a movie i I would not recommend this film If, if anything i would say take that hour or so and look at youtube clips of the mills brothers miller brothers plus lois and the peter sisters if there are any i didn't see any performances by them but then i didn't look them up but but right. there's a lot of stuff. There's a with, lot of Millers with, brothers. with the Miller brothers. Right. And boy doggy, that is not a bad half hour of time spent. I,
0: I can imagine that. I was actually going to say that uh, I know that there's tons of the um videos of the of the Miller's brothers out there. Um and uh, I'm looking up the the Peters sisters. Mm-hmm. And I I'm actually happy to say that there's uh, more than a few videos of of them available. Um, and look for their performance from this film. Yeah. You know, look for look both of their performances I, from I, this I'm film. I'm not sure if their performance from, from this film is on, like, it has been separated. Oh, it has been. There okay. you go. There you go. Yep. 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 There, There you go. The Peter sisters, 1947. So their performance from this film is actually there. Because I was going to say, the only reason I would recommend this film is to look at the Peter Sisters, um, but you can see them on YouTube, so therefore there's no reason to yeah. watch this film yeah don't 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 check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Um, there's other there's better Cab Calloway there, out there. there's better Cab Calloway and there are better
1: black films from this period yes and there are better black films that are basically musical performances in disguise mm-hmm. from
0: this period. Yeah, exactly. So, there you go. Um, all right. Before we get into what we'll be reviewing next week, ladies and gentlemen, I invite you to send all of your feedback to us at via email at mission at gmail.com. Michaud is spelled M-I-C-H-E-A-U- X. You can also be, like and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Micheaux Mission. Join the Micheaux Mission Facebook group. That's where we get in. A lot of chatter. There was a lot of chatter, a lot of news that came up in the news, but uh, we got tangented away from that, so we will touch on it on a uh, another episode down the road. Um, but it's it's there, and people go in and they have a good time, and we appreciate each and every one of you, all of our missionaries. Absolutely, there. Um, the Micho Mission is available as a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Family. Podglomerate curated podcast, just for your select listening pleasure. Go to podglomerate dot org to find their whole lineup of great shows including the feast which is really a cool show Oh excuse me the com. Uh, uh thank you Vince for correcting me where they you can find out all of their lineup and shows including uh, the feast uh, which is a very cool show um, they've got it''s it's, it's insane they, I think they've got I think go there. Lots of podcasts for your listening pleasure. Our show is also available in an edited form as a radio show every Saturday at 1pm on WPPM. 106.5 People Powered Media, Philly Cam here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. And you can wake up with the Show Mission every Monday morning at 9am on 91.7 FM WKDU, the voice of Drexel University. Okie dokie. I think that's about it. Right? I think you've named all of the
1: various and sundry avenues and outlets. Great.
0: That one may travel ne- to meet the mission Michelle. There you go. Um oh and next week, uh next week we we have a very special twofer coming your way. Ladies and gentlemen, because I feel like it. Vince is looking at me crazy, but I'm doing it for him. So next week, on top of our regular show, we will also be bringing you Vince's and I's recent talkback that we did at the Bryn Mawr film institute yes for to sleep with anger yes which was a great time we had it really was really great time we had a great audience they asked a whole lot of interesting questions yeah fun little uh give give and go between us um it was a fun time and hopefully you you can look forward to enjoying that next week here it's a bonus episode of the michelle mission um as we make our way to episode 175 and our our climb to 200, next week, I am still in the way back machine. Still in the way back machine. So, I am back of the bus in polio. I am, you went to the 1940s ahead of me, Vince, so I will go to the 1930s. 1930s! Specifically, 1933. where we will stop and pay proper homage to someone who heretofore has been unseen on this mission. I hope I know where you're going. But it is not without respect due to this career that we have waited until now to bring you Paul Robeson. Mm. And what are we watching? What's 33?
1: The Emperor. The Emperor Jones, baby! Nice. Very nice. Very, very nice.
0: Yes. That is coming your way next week. Oh, that's a good one. On the Michaud Mission. That's a good one. Think about it. If we're doing the Emperor Jones for 173... I think, a day. what, 175 to 200 is going to be. Yeah. Right? Yeah, this is our first Paul Robeson. It is. Yeah. And and if we're going to do it. Look, man. This is the one to do. If you're going to do Paul Robeson, you write about that. So next week on the Excellent. show, Mission, The Emperor Jones with Paul Robeson and Dudley Diggs. I have
1: not watched The Emperor Jones in I don't know how long. I'm
0: really looking forward to this. Until then, he's Vince, I'm Len, and in parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again.